Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. Our guest, singer, songwriter, philanthropist, and actress. She started her career with a platinum selling number one hit song, Stay, without even having a recording contract. I am so super excited to meet, to talk with, to have you guys hang with the one and the only Lisa Loeb. Hello, Hi. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. I can't, I can't wait to see what we're going to find out. I can't wait either. <laughs> well, let's just start. I want to hear all about, like I've heard all these stories that Ethan Hawke directed the video um, for the for Reality Bites. How did this all come along? And then we're going to hear about your path and your story. Oh, yeah. But I got to hear this. Well, it was really, it, it's really an exciting story, especially in retrospect, especially for someone who's, I've been doing, you know, diff, different entertainment things for yeah. a long time and always wanted to do it when I was a kid. And at the time, it seemed totally natural, but in retrospect, it's mm. unbelievable, really. Yeah, what? You know, what? like something actually happened. Right. But what happened? Were you guys um, I was living or? in New York City. Okay. I had gone to Brown University, graduated, moved straight to New York City because I was already playing in clubs and I, I was with a band and things were going pretty well. But I was connected with a really cool group of friends. Some of them had gone to Brown with me, a lot of actors, musicians, playwrights, artists. Um, you know, you name it. And then my friend Josh Hamilton, who's an actor who went to Brown, was in this movie called Alive. And it was a huge cast of guys, mm. basically. And then Ileana Douglas. And it was about a, a soccer team who, whose plane crashed in Columbia. Mm. Um, but anyway, so Josh had all these fun actor friends who were guys in New York City. And um, one of his friends was Ethan Hawke, who was in the movie Alive. And yes. we ended up living really close to each other near NYU, and we were neighbors. And we just all ran around together, Ethan and John Mark Sherman, and not to be name-droppy, but like P Pete Dinklage. Now they were just true name -droppy. friends. They were we just were all true friends. friends. We were all like eating brunch and, ha and going to see friends' bands play. And Ethan started a theater company that my friend Amy Armstrong ran. And, you know, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and Callista Flockhart and all these great actresses, Amazing. Nadia Dejani and oh all these great people. And we all hung out and Ethan had his theater company. I used to write music for some of the plays they produced. Hmm. And um, so anyway, we all just had this kind of loosely based kind of group of friends that hung out. Hmm. And along the way, Ethan asked me for a copy of my song Stay, which was one of the songs I used to play in clubs in New York City at the Bitter End and CBGB's and everything. And um, Ethan was a fan of the song, and he said they're doing this movie called Reality Bites, and they're looking for music. And I did actually also, Ethan asked me to write a song for the band that he was a member of mm. in the movie. He's a member of a band. Mm -hmm. But a bunch of musicians wrote wrote songs for this band to play and they chose one of them um not mine and not one by all these other musicians but anyway he asked for my original song stay and ben stiller who was directing the movie and stacy share who was one of the producers and ron fair who was a music supervisor and all these different people decided yes they were going to put the song in the movie oh, really? so it ended up on the soundtrack with rca in the end title credits so the entire song ran during the movie and it was so exciting. Like, And then eventually, Ethan ended up directing the video. He had a great idea for the video. I think the record company, um, RCA Records, was excited for this movie star you know, mm. to be directing a video. That sounded really good mm -hmm. for MTV. But in actuality, the great part about it was not that he was a well-known actor, but he had this great concept that it was a one-take video 
which was so different from what else was on MTV at the time. At MTV right. at the time, it was shiny and big and bright and, you know, cutting the film every two seconds, you know, and, and just trying to create this energy with all of the bells and whistles, whereas Ethan really wanted this very connected video where I was singing to camera. He sort of showed me where to walk. It was like the choreography. I wasn't dancing, but we literally shot it in one take. We did multiple wow. one-take right. shots, and right. I actually insisted also in shooting some footage with me and my band because I'm like, I'm not just a singer with no guitar. <laughs> I actually play music, and I wrote this song, and I play guitar. But it turned out his vision, which was really one-take, it was so strong that that I think that actually helped translate the song to so many people who were getting music through watching videos at the time. And did you think at the time that this was a huge opportunity? Or were you like, oh, these are just my friends. This is going to be cool. Maybe this will help push my career. I think it was the latter. I think I thought, well, this is really cool. I did quit my temp job when I got the call from Ron Fair saying, we want to put your song in the soundtrack. Because I'd had a What little, did you do? Okay, that's it. I quit. I was Thank like, you. Yeah, I, was, I told the people, I was like, I just got this great opportunity. It was a temp job, so it wasn't like a huge deal. But it was a temp job I had it was done your for income. a while. And it was my right. income. And I was like okay, this is, I think this is actually happening. Because I had done some demo deals with some record companies and had my songs on compilations of smaller independent labels, but this was kind of a big deal, and it mm -hmm. felt like something was really happening. I didn't realize, it, but it felt natural too, because I'd been playing shows forever and right. been playing concerts for years, I mean, for since high school, so it had been a good almost 10 years. Um, I was a couple years out of college. My fan base was growing. Everything was happening step by step, but... In retrospect, it really was the thing that really shot things Catapulted. to the top. I mean, it, it to go from being a songwriter with a really great following in a band in New York City to being played on the radio next to huge pop stars was a whole other thing. Game changer. Yeah. Amazing. Mm -hmm. And then it became a hit instantly, and then your career catapulted from that, yes? Yeah, it became a hit probably from about March through August of 1994. Uh -huh. And I had a great radio rep, uh, somebody who promoted my music from RCA Records, who I'm still really good friends with today. Uh -huh. um, we, we always come up with marketing ideas and interesting opportunities. But um, he would call me every week and say, Lisa, the song's going up the charts. And it was so exciting. And, <laughs> and what I, were you doing? What it, would you well, do? Would so you scream exciting. on the yeah. other end of the phone? And, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. I think one of the best things that was happening at the time was I still was, and still am, I was close to my friends and my family from growing up. Mm. Um, my co-producer, Juan Patino, who was, I was dating at the time, his core group of friends, my core group of friends, we had all these people around us to celebrate with us. So, so you kept a, a, which I always speak about, that core energy positive bubble of yeah. people around you. So you felt safe. I felt safe and also excited. Like some... I'm also a real worker bee. So I was like, let's go on tour. We need to continue touring. Let's make the record. Let's get the record deal. I want the publishing deal. Working with my attorney, you know, just step by step, all the behind the scenes work, which is still happening, and right. playing concerts, right. and promoting a single, and doing deals with all my band members, and, you know, getting all the ducks in the row, right. trying to figure out which record company really wanted me so as an artist. So you took this opportunity and went with it. Yeah, and it was like the time to do it. So... On one hand, the best thing to do would have been just like open a bottle of champagne and celebrate right. for months and months. But at the same time, you know, it was boots to the ground. It was like time to continue to make new songs, continue to record the songs I already wanted to put on a record. And so...
boots to the ground. I forget what the phrase is. But anyway, it was still like work, work, work. So right. it was nice to have my mom or my sister or my yeah. brother or my best friend or my boyfriend at the time's best friend saying, oh my God, it's so cool. I'm hearing the song on the radio. You know, so taking a minute To help ignite you and to push the Yeah, and to, and to realize how exciting it is too, not just like, okay, that's good. What's next? Mm-hmm. You know, because part of me is always like, okay, that's really great. Now what do we do next? Which is good as an artist. You want to be practical well, and be on to the next as thing. As any kind of working, yeah. hardworking person, you want to be one step ahead. Right. But you also need to try to celebrate. And sometimes it's hard. Um, I think a therapist along the way said, you need to learn <laughs> to punctuate. You need some punctuation in your life. You've got great punctuation. What does that mean, but punctuation? You know what, but, but you need to stop. Like, you need to have a period and say, okay, well, that's really exciting. And resonate in and it. And resonate and, and in be it. in it and yeah. have punctuation, not just this constant run-on sentence, which I tend to want to be inside of. I love your speaking voice, let alone your singing voice. So you said punctuation, which just made me go to diction, which for me, punctuation of a script right. is a whole different, you know, conversation <laughs> yes, than what your therapist was bubble. saying. Yeah. But your voice, your diction, it's so, for my sound, for me, I love it so oh, much. And you. that's what attracts me to your music too, because it's your voice. Oh, and then you. voice, which we're going to parlay into talking a little bit about acting. So when you started... Were you always in the music? Did you no. start as an actress? Were, I started you, were you an artist my, in that yeah. way? I think it's funny too, by the way, with voice. I remember getting a call from Warren Beatty, which I was like, hello, is this like a prank? <laughs> you know? um, and luckily I was around some other friends again at the time who, um, one of my best friends whose mother, uh, you might know her. Um, who is it? Nancy, Nancy Charney. What's her director's name? She's a director. She yes. lives in Toluca Lake. Um, I don't know. But anyway, Nancy, you know, is of the generation of Warren Beatty. What? And Warren Beatty had called to tell me that he really liked my enunciation. And that's what See, he loved about Warren, my we're song. On the same page. That's okay. what he really loved about my music was he really loved that he could understand what I was saying. I love that. Too. And I did come from acting. I always studied acting growing up. Also, I went to a private girls' school that. Uh, it's hard to say, like, when I became interested in, in acting and performing because I always. On the extracurricular side, I always took a lot of dance classes, sometimes three mm. or four a week. Um, a lot of uh, acting and so as I got older, musical theater. I always artistic had artistic expression. I was very shy. Yeah. I was so shy. My my parents thought I might have a like I had a hearing problem when I was little because I wouldn't talk a lot. Oh. But as I got older, I I was super super shy until I was about fifteen when I decided I wasn't going to be shy. My friends and I used to interview bands and. I just what realized, made you decide not to be shy, though? I think, what was that moment? I think it was a combination of my dad. Um, we're from Texas, and my dad would, would encourage my older brother, who I think might have been a little bit shy, too, that we needed. when you met somebody, you had to go up, stick out your hand, say, nice to meet you, and like be very you know, assertive gregarious, and gregarious. Yes. Um, so I think that was part of it, and I think it caused me to be a little fluttery and nervous, and then I realized... I'm just going to do it. Like, I would almost count in my head, like, one, two, three. I'm having a conversation with someone now. I am being confident. And I and I've sort of am on the other side of it now. Like, I can't stop talking to people in elevators. <laughs> I'm like that weird man, like, businessman. Like, hey, how's it going? One day I was in an elevator recently, and we were on the way down in an elevator while I was on tour, and I had a much younger tour manager with me, and we were talking about the Beverly Hillbillies, and he had no idea what that was. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I'm like, well, you know, it's a story about a man named Jed, the poor mountaineer, barely kept his family fed. So I started singing it, and then all the people in the elevator started singing along one at a time. Oh my God. And by the time we got down, like, the 20 floors, the whole elevator was singing <laughs> Beverly awesome. Hillbillies. But I was so shy when I was a kid. I would have been just horrified to be in that elevator when I was, you know, five or six. But, but you anyway, overcame at school, it. yeah, and at school we had our spring play, and we had our school musical, and we had our this, and we had our that. I think the moment was when I was in Circus World in 
in mm. um, there was a place called Circus World near Disney World in, mm. in Florida. Oh, I don't know. And it was this whole circus theme park kind of oh. place. And they had an, a thing. My brothers and sisters and I have a sister and two brothers and my parents were on a vacation and they asked for a volunteer from the audience. And at that time I was, you know, a shy kid. Yeah. And they asked for a volunteer and my hand just, it was so weird. It was like a voice from within. I just shot up. My hand just shot up. And I ended up, my dad's always like, that's when you decided you were going to be an entertainer, you know. (laughs) Like you just went right up there and we were so surprised. So I always think about that. But, you know, we were expected to do all this growing up in school, be Mm -hmm. in the speech contest, Mm -hmm. write our own speeches. I was always a dancer, which is a little bit more of an introverted, extrovert type of thing to do. Uh, I was part of the dance troupe. And then I started auditioning you know, by fifth or sixth grade for musicals. And um, my dance my dance classes that I would take were at the university, at SMU. They were not, um, it was at the university, not at like a little kid's dance school. Right, right, I was right. with the big kids taking dance class. And then little by little, I was just doing acting and acting and acting and being in all the school plays. But and then it transitioned more into the music. It transitioned more into music because I was playing music also in high school. I started writing original songs when I was about six, but songs with lyrics when I was about 13 and started and where, playing guitar. Yeah. And where did the lyrics come from? Just from childhood things or just your imagination or do you... I, I think the lyrics came from being a shy person and having like crushes on boys and having also sort of like mental health, like being depressed. Also, I was very an an overthinker and I think I would get overwhelmed and have some depression and I I loved listening to The Cure and Led Zeppelin and David Bowie and The Police and I I knew that that was a way to express yourself and so it was kind of a shy person's way to express myself and be creative. and I also thought it was cool. My friends and I really loved rock bands, and we would go like interview them and go meet them in record stores. And we weren't groupies, but we were very interested in bands and music. And I think I just wanted, instead of just being interested in it, I wanted to be it. Yeah. And I just started doing it. And yeah. then I started getting people, um, specifically when I was in... Um, High school, I went to an acting program in London. Mm. I went to go see Live Aid, by the way. It was in the 80s. Mm. Um, Doing this acting program with a lot of great actors, including, again, here's a big name drop. Michael Stuhlbarg was in our group, Mm. who's like a huge like Oscar winner actor who's in Coen Brothers films and all these great movies. Um, Just a lot of great actors were were a part of this group who have gone on to to be actors or parts of theater companies. But while I was there, I borrowed a, a guitar from somebody um, who's also a great actor, Hakim. He's been in, he always plays like the really scary, like, like leader of the African tribe. And like, <laughs> he's, he's this amazing, strong actor. Anyway, I borrowed this guitar from him. It was missing two strings and I was writing songs and kids would come to my little dorm room and want to hear the songs. And then they would want recordings of the songs. So we would record them on a little tape recorder and send them off to them later. And it, it was this feeling like it's sort of a social thing in summer camp where I used to play where people would gather around or you'd make yeah, up funny lyrics to songs. But it, at this acting program, it was like, wow, people actually want to hear these songs I'm writing. And it feels good to have an audience too, yeah, you know? So. so the entertainer and the artist all coming together in front of these other people I respected who were from the East Coast who I thought were so cool. And it just sort of all started coming together. And that's how it just came yeah. into fruition for you. Yeah. And then I continued acting all through college and music. But music was really the thing that kept feeling more successful. Mm. I was getting roles in college, but often playing like the little kid in the Philadelphia story or in the unusual yes. play that the, the graduate students had written at Brown University. I was like the unusual offbeat queen or, but you know, a so lot of quirky. children. I was yeah, quirky yeah, yeah. or I was a child. Yes. I was the newsboy and working. I was always the child. <laughs> and... um 
So, you know, and also I was surrounded by unbelievable actors. I mean, again, like a lot of people who are professional people, you know, on screen today. But that probably helped you in your music as well. Oh, it always, I think everything feeds off of each other. It's storytelling. It's storytelling. Yes. I'm still working as an actor towards, and and I need to to come in and work with you, obviously. Well, Um, you guys don't know. We worked together on a project. Which everybody loved. It aired. Oh, I need to You didn't even tell me it aired. It was AP Bio. Everybody loved it. It was a difficult Lisa Loeb is a wonderful actress. Wait, because I think this is the next section you. of your life that's going to about to take off. And and I think that's why we're here together. Because yes. I really, I keep forgetting, like, I love acting. Something that holds me back is the memorizing can be really hard for me. Right. What's so great is, like, when we were working together, you get to the place, which, which is my favorite thing about doing stage acting. You have the time and the space to get to the memorizing right. through being the character where you're talking with people. Process. and there's That's a rehearsal process. That's why everything, but even in auditioning, there's a rehearsal process. There is, you have but it's to faster, take that time. right? It's right. so faster. faster. Like, here's a script, go in tomorrow, here's the lines. And sometimes, especially with some of the roles I get offered, there's not a lot of lines. There's not a lot of content. There's not a lot of you have information. To fill in the you have to fill in the blanks a lot, mm-hmm. which when you're in theater and you actually have a role where you're actually, something's happening, there's a back and forth and it's like playing tennis. Right, because and theater. And it's so wonderful. And the, then, yeah, the words, you're just saying them. They're part of you. Right, because the material yeah. is juicy and deeper yes. and richer. It's yes. more linear in television. Yes. And, and then quicker, you have much lo- less time to work on it. Yeah. So then you, but as the training goes, you'll see that you'll be able to colorfully fill in those blanks and learn those lines because it's the thoughts. Yeah, that so carry I need you. to practice because yes. I love like when I was a kid I wanted to be an actor. That's what I really wanted to be. Even when I was a little kid because you get to be all these other people. You get to be empathetic and learn about other people's lives and feelings and jobs and yeah. all these things. Right. And that seems so exciting to me. But you still do that in your music. I but do it through my music doing the, for sure. vocal tones. I think that's also why I'm able, I think it's sometimes hard for musicians. We get, as entertainers, as artists, we get to make up new things all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and and if we're singing other people's songs, we get to figure out how to approach them. But I, I'm a writer, so, but I, when I entertain and I perform, I used to hate calling it entertainment. My dad called it that, and I thought that was so demeaning. But I actually enjoy entertaining. <laughs> like, it's fun to have. Why is that demeaning? That's incredible, Like, you're right? just, in, you want to be an entertainer? You know, it sounds just like. I don't know. But it is actually really fun to have that energy that happens. But I do feel like to sing the same songs over and over and over again for 20 years, 30 years, Mm -hmm. each time you sing them, you have to sort of reapproach them and feel what they feel like in your life now and you or attached to memories that you had about them or there's just all these dimensions that happen or even empathizing. Yeah, and it's so exciting. So I want to do that more. I I love it. Well, I can't wait to work with you more in doing that because... You, your diction alone is you're just such a great storyteller alone. Oh, thank you. So it's incredible. Um, tell us, can we just sidetrack about yes. the eyeglasses that you've created that I am obsessed with? Oh, your yes. eyeglass wear. How did that come about? I have an eyewear business called Lisa Loba Eyewear, and it was a little bit of a long road because early on in my professional career. Like, especially when my song Stay started to become popular, I would go in for interviews thinking they would ask me about my guitar style and my, because <laughs> I was very obsessed with like playing guitar well and my singing or my songwriting, my lyrics. No, they wanted to say, now tell me about your glasses. Really? Yeah, they just wanted to talk about my glasses. And I was so, 
as a serious musician. You were insulted. I was insulted also (laughs) because people thought I was like an overnight success. I, you know, here I was out of nowhere, just this pop singer. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I've like studied guitar for years and voice vocals and study. I've been like working so hard at this for 10 years, but you think I'm an overnight success and you want to talk to me about my glasses. (laughs) But little by little, I realized over the years that the glasses are really a hobby of mine. First of all, I need them. Second of all, they're so important. You know, um, a lot of people talk to me about their glasses and say that they feel comfortable, women feel comfortable, and some men feel comfortable in their glasses as a, as a kid or when they found out about me because I wore my glasses. Oh. And for people to feel secure in their skin and themselves, they have to wear glasses. You know, they feel pretty in them. They feel confident in right. them. That's so important to me. Like oh. I think confidence and feeling like yourself is so important in fashion and just your day-to-day life. Well, in life. In yes. life, you, you know, to, to be yourself, that's all you have is yourself. You know, you are yourself. And we're always evolving, but what a powerful thing to be yourself. So I wanted to be able to have an eyewear line so I could create more glasses like the ones I wear or inspired by mine. Yeah. Yeah. So that other people could continue to feel comfortable. You know, people have different face shapes, different skin tones. I tend to wear really petite glasses. You probably do too because we've got petite faces. And, um, you know, to be able to to do that. Also, in the style, all the glasses have a little bit of a lift, even if they're round glasses or square glasses. They all have a lift, which is a great facelift for women. And it's <laughs> but really it's almost about, like, like subliminally like yeah. a power lift. It's a right? power lift. You're like Catwoman. You're like the yes. sexy librarian. You've got this power. You can be quiet, but you can be powerful. You yeah, can I love be it. Be confident. And I wanted to to work off of that. And it really is, you know, even though I was trying to poo-poo it and say, I don't want to talk about my glasses, it's a huge hobby of mine. Anywhere oh, I go, I go into so glasses. They're so incredible, stores. and they're yeah. beautiful, and they're dynamic. Yeah, and it's and isn't that what life's all about, being as yes. dynamic as you can possibly be at all costs? You're right, exactly. Even if you feel shy or quiet or introverted or you're just reading. And, and when I when I do, um, I do fittings, I wear fittings with people. I'm always mm. asking them, who do you want to be? Who are you? What do you want to So you're exude? doing character life yeah, through like, your glasses. Yeah, because somebody will put on a pair of glasses, and I'm like, okay, you look really like technical and shy right now. And they might say, great. Or you look Mm. wise and confident. Mm. You look friendly and um, you look like people, you look like people might want to talk to you accessible, which sometimes, you know, I talk to a lot of single gals. They're like, yes, I want to look powerful, but accessible. Or people who are at their business and they do want to look powerful and inaccessible. Mm. They want to look like they're in charge Mm. or just they want to look a little sexier or whatever it is. So you're basically telling a character life through the shape of their lens. Totally. That's amazing. I I might have to quote you on that. Oh, you can. Just put my name at the bottom. Yes, I (laughs) will. Okay, so it's interesting because a lot of times, you know, people have passion. Your music is your passion. Actors have passion in their artistry, but their purpose could be different. But, and maybe your purpose is giving back. And I know you have a camp foundation Mm -hmm. and you have so many things to give back, but sometimes you need that platform as that artist and delivering that passion to the world so you can do other things. Yes, Yes? I I think early... Sort of in the late 90s, I'd had some big hits on the radio and my records were doing really well, but I was feeling unsatisfied. Mm. I was sitting in the makeup chair. This was before cell phones had so much uh, that you could look at your cell phone. <laughs> but without my glasses, I can't see anything. I can't read anything. Sitting in a makeup chair for hours and hair and just like, what am I doing? This right. is just so, you know, vain. You know, not vain yes. exactly, but it's kind of boring. And but it's, it is and boring. It, I'm not hours. using my brain. I'm sitting for hours. What is going on? This Is this really satisfying? Mm-hmm. And I read a book called, How I think it's called How to Find the Work You Love mm. by Lawrence 
I have to find the exact title. But anyway, it was a book. It's, I think it was really meant for executives who were stuck in their corporate world. Mm. It's a smaller book than all the other books he's written, apparently. But it's a book that had a lot of questions and answers, kind of like what color is your parachute. Mm. Because I was trying to figure out, do I want to change my job? What am I doing? What is my purpose? Why am what I doing this? Back? Yeah. Um, you know, this is what I wanted, but is this what I wanted? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and with this book, I started going through and realizing that what my passion really is, because he tries to help people find their passion and their purpose mm-hmm. so that their next job can be centered around their values, not the money that they're making. Mm-hmm. You know, so that it really it, it really powers them forward no mm-hmm. matter what they're doing. Right. And I realized that what I really want to do in life is I love connecting with people. I love mm. hearing people's stories and I love telling Me stories. Too. Yes. And that's what's exciting. And it can be through acting. It can mm-hmm. be through telling. It can uh, be on the podcast. It can be on the podcast. That's why I do exactly. to give back. I love people to hear yes. other people's stories, I to get it. inspired, yes. to hear one sentence that you say that goes, ah, that's what I needed yeah, to that, hear today. It, that's what inspires me too. So I enjoy performing, but I love talking to people after the show. I love talking to people on the airport and going to the show. I love that connection and I love that storytelling and and that can happen when I make music for kids which I do that can make uh, that can be for making music for grown-ups and it's people telling me their stories that's why I was able to do a reality show about dating it wasn't Mm -hmm. like let me be famous and be on TV although as an entertainer it is good to have exposure and let people know what your projects are Mm -hmm. but it was so that I could tell my story and Mm -hmm. relate to other people who are in their 30s single maybe looking for someone special in their life trying to balance career and life, mm-hmm. I could tell my story. And in the end, people tell me their stories. Mm-hmm. And they still tell me stories. This show was like, you know, 10 years ago, and people still love to ask me what's going on in my life and tell me what's happening in their relationships. I'm, I'm able to do so many different things, have an eyewear line, because it connects me with people. And but I you need your story. music as a platform to exactly. get there. So bam, but then that's you have my the camp. Passion. Yes. The camp, I have a summer camp foundation I started after I made a summer camp record because, again, summer camp was one of the places I really started playing music socially, as a performer. It was just, and summer camp was the place that I really learned to be myself and sort of come out of my shell a little bit and learn that it's not about making good grades. It's not always about that kind of outside approval. It's about making friends and trying new things you've never tried before and gaining that confidence and and trying, uh, you know, like challenging yourself. So anyway, I created this summer camp foundation called the Camp Lisa Foundation, so that kids kids and grown-ups could learn about summer camp through my music, but also the best way for kids to learn about summer camp is to go to summer camp. Yes, So especially um, on the East Coast, we work with kids who can't afford to go to summer camp. We work with an organization called Scope, who's great at finding these kids who need these camps. Mm. They follow kids through their school lives as well. They're very safe camps and places where kids can learn to be part of the community. Maybe it's their first time you know, really in the outdoors a lot. Um, Amazing. And so all the all the money that I raised through selling Camp Lisa, my camp record, I have a coffee blend of coffee beans that oh we sell. Oh my goodness, you're a true website. entrepreneur. Yeah, we you're an entrepreneur at least. We sell coffee beans through the Coffee Fool, who generous, generously lets us donate all the proceeds to send kids to summer camp. Um, and then people can just donate directly to summer camp. But again, it's about connecting with people and hearing their stories and, you know, and Just not being shy. And not being shy. No, <laughs> Everything being shy. opposite yeah. of being shy. Yeah. Getting out of that comfort zone. I am so impressed. What kind of advice would you give to artists out there? I think artists should develop their craft. They really need to get their heads screwed on. Mm. They need to figure out why are they artists. Are they artists because they want to be famous people? Mm-hmm. Are they artists, you know, to, to find, like you're saying, what is your passion? Why do you want to be an artist? 
Um, so figure out who you are first. Yeah, you need to figure out who you are and you need to work on your craft. Find great teachers. Go see other people do what you do. If you're, a, for me, like as a singer, I want people to, to learn, to be singers, learn how to take care of their voice. Mm. Also, on the other side, they need to learn the business of what they're doing because you have to survive. Mm -hmm. It's important to have a good day job that's flexible so that you will not go crazy trying to, like we have great nannies and babysitters in our life who are flexible. Mm -hmm. They might have an audition, but we will let them go do their audition. Mm -hmm. They might need to go see a show or be in a show. Find people you can work with where you can be flexible but make a living. Mm -hmm. But also have time to work on your craft. Don't let it distract from that. And keep your head screwed on. Have a sense of who you are. Maybe you are kind of better at comedy or songwriting or writing songs for other people, not mm-hmm. being the performer. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Learn all the different facets of of the job you want to have. Because, But always keep your artistry, you know, it, it's the most important thing. For me, I, I'm really able to um, separate being an artist from being a an entertainer and a professional performer and a mother yeah but like there are situations where I do open up my artistry to the business side of it like if somebody asks me to do a particular project they want a particular thing I open my artist heart to the limitations which are great and the boundaries of what they're looking for Mm. but in general my my art my music what I do is sacred it's not just you know I'm not just, you know, trying to be famous. Mm-hmm. I want to make good art. So try to so make making good art good. has to come from your heart. It has to come from your heart and and you need a support group as well because yes. you go through ups and downs. Even yes. the most successful people go through ups and downs. So so you know, study your craft, be as good as you can be, be open to people's criticism and critique and sort of have a sense are people reacting well? Is this working? Is it not working? Why is it not working? Mm-hmm. Ask teachers, ask friends, mentors, whatever. But then or go inside yourself. Yeah, too. that's and true really too. Check yeah. in. You know, you really but have the, to. So the message, what I'm hearing you say, you hear is a to, million no's. You will hear you people do. say no all the time. But you have to constantly rise up because you cannot base yourself on whether you are working or not. Because you have to love the love of the artistry, the practice yes. of it, the you know. Finding other things. So you found the singing, which is now the acting, which is now the voiceover, which is the eyeglasses, which is the camp. I mean, the whole circle. So you want a well-rounded life. Yeah. And also, I mean, I would especially say this to actors, especially if you're not also a writer and a director and every other element Mm -hmm. of being an actor. um, It can be hard to be waiting for the perfect role or to be cast in the perfect role. In the meantime, yeah, find out what your passion is. Are you doing this because you love people? And you want to entertain them? Are there other ways you can entertain people? Or are there other ways you can show your love for people? Or are there other ways that you can, you know, still be yourself? You need to feel like yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you need to be yourself. You can't wait around all the time. Create your own show. Do something so that you have some control. Because you have so little control over so much of this business. The only control you have in your life is your own life. So you can only control how much you've rehearsed your auditions, how well you're going to rehearse the theater piece you're doing, whatever it is. That is the only control you have. And don't be alone. Seriously, like every once in a while I I might be getting down and like, oh, the music business. Because the music business is always, all all these businesses are changing and with the internet and different um, payment schedules for different things, like everything's changing. But when I talk to another voiceover person, I'm like, oh, okay. Like we we get it. Or another musician, well, how are you doing this? Well, isn't it, or even just, you know, being able to connect and like complain and kvetch. You're not, it's, it actually, you, you need to get some of these feelings out and also find out how it's working for other people, what's working, what's not working. And what do you do for your 
because I'm the biggest believer in a positive mindset. And when you have that blah, 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 and the, you know, complaining, but you do have to, you're reaching out to complain because you want a solution. Exactly. You're not reaching out to complain to complain. Right. I had an album recently called Feel What You Feel. It's a family-friendly record. It's a kid's record. I just got a Grammy for it this year. It's yes, very exciting. I want to talk about that. But Congratulations. Feel what you feel. I love the concept of you need to have your feelings. They can be positive, negative, all over the place, happy, sad, frustrated. You need to digest your feelings. Don't not mm-hmm. have them. Correct. But then I'm also a big fan of like cognitive behavioral therapy where you sort of reframe things. So I might say, uh, oh, it's so depressing. There didn't, there weren't enough people at my show. Nobody mm-hmm. likes me. Mm-hmm. I'm the worst. I don't have any music. And then you take a step back. You're like, well, there actually were people at the show. Mm-hmm. And there always are. And maybe the show wasn't promoted well. Or maybe it was. Maybe it just wasn't the right time of the day. But the people there, they did actually enjoy it. And those two people in the front row wanted to talk to me afterwards. And they enjoyed your music. And this is part of the process. Not every show has a million people at it. And you're lucky to be playing a show at all where somebody flew you someplace to play. And you do have music that you actually wrote yourself. Yes. And you worked with other, you know, like. So the what, adjusting. Adjusting and reframing and saying, okay, or like maybe you were just tired. You know, like there are many different elements. Or this is what it is like but to be. But as new a, people, as yes. new artists and singers and actors and performers, you that is going to happen. There's going to feel a lull where you're going to think it's all negative. It, but in reality, it's just another door opening, and you can just adjust it. Right, and maybe nobody did show up. Well, let me think. Why did nobody show up? Maybe I shouldn't be doing my own show, a one-man show or lady show or person show at a theater in a weird part of town that nobody knows where how mm-hmm. to park. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should think about doing a show in a different location, like a library that's closer to where people can park. Right. Like what, you know, What's the there's always something to, to adjust. There's something you can learn from it. And you also, you need to vent. You need to get it out and be like, oh my God, that was so embarrassing. Nobody was there, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> what can I do next time? You know, But what, it can be self-deprecating. Yeah. So then there's a it joyfulness be, to yeah, it. Exactly. So then there's a sparkle inside that says, okay, that was awful, but this the next time I do it, it's going to be this, better. It's just part of it. You know, and also I think there was a, a time about five years ago where I had a, I, I also had a twist of a, a reframing, a large reframing, which was, you know, I had the big one where I was like, what, a, why am I a musician? Mm-hmm. And instead of changing jobs, I'm like, oh, I want to connect with people and be a psychologist and help them with their issues. I'm uh-huh. like, you know what? I'm doing that already through my music. So mm-hmm. let me do that. I can actually connect with people mm-hmm. through my music and that reframing my whole career. Later, recently, I had a, a reframing because like a lot of people, you know, there's, 20 people who are on the cover of People magazine. Mm-hmm. There's 20 people who are on the cover of Billboard, or maybe more, but you know, mm-hmm. it's a select mm-hmm. group. Mm-hmm. Most people aren't the person. Right. It's fun to be, maybe you want to be the person, but maybe you're also an extra, or you have three lines in a role, but you're a working professional, and that is really cool. To When I realized, I was like, wait a minute, I'm a working musician. More than that, you know, but I am, kind but, of you know, a famous like, one, but yeah, that's but, okay. But still, like, but still having the core being like, if I looked at, you know, if I was in seventh grade and, and I knew when I grew up I was going to be a working musician mm. and a working actor and a wor- working voice actor, that'd be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be the star of the show. You do not. And it's a really interesting life that we get to meet all these people and go from place to place and life is always changing and, you it's know, so it's, it's really amazing. So life to be able to so appreciate exciting. that and say, Oh, wait, it is cool to be a working blah, whatever it is. So you being know? grateful yeah, for being any grateful. level that you're at, mm-hmm. taking the next step to further yourself if you need to. Yeah, that's, that's a Let's really good Let's go eat lunch now. 
Okay, we're going to eat some snackety snacks. Thank you so much for coming. Amazing. Let me just say one thing. What do you visualize for yourself that you want to come into fruition? This is what we're going to take out before we end the show today. Okay. What's your next step? What do you want? What's the next thing? My next step is... What are you going to put your foot into? I'm going to put my foot into... Uh, well, there's two things at the same time happening. Say it. Um, one of them is writing. I love creating and writing, and I'm in the middle of writing a new album right now, and it's really exciting and deep and kind of... Uh, it's a little bit like being a hermit because mm. you go into this artist's mm. place where mm. you're creating and you work through really, really hard places and puzzles that won't quite fit for your song. So I'm really mm. excited about being mm. in that hermity place. Great. Um, but I'm also excited about the flow as a mom and a working mom. I'm excited about finding the flow where where things can be sort of in an, an organized enough place where I can be in the moment with my children and my husband. It's hard to do that sometimes. But you're going to do it. And have fun, but I'm going to do it. Wait, what about the acting? And acting, I'm really, well, that's a huge thing. When we get off the air here, we're going to do some scheduling. Like, it's not even <laughs> like, it's just, we just need to schedule because I've got a weird schedule where I can't take a regular weekly class because I'm gone this Wednesday and that Wednesday. But we're going to find a way, instead of saying, oh, it doesn't work for me, classes don't work for me, we're going to find a way that it will work. work for me. We're going to make it work. Okay, you guys. Follow Lisa. What's your Instagram? What are make you? Make it work. Okay, Lisa, I'm at Lisa Loeb, L-O-E-B, or the official Lisa Loeb. Let me tell you which. She's looking it up right now. I'm looking it up to tell you what I am because I'm at Lisa Loeb and the official Lisa Loeb on Facebook. And I'm just Instagram. doing sales now. It's People okay. know you. People know you. They're going to find you. Thank you so much. Stay positive, you guys. Be courteously aggressive in your life and live it to the fullest. Before we go, can you take us out with a song? Um, I will sing a song. Um, why don't I sing part of a song from a record I have called Feel What You Feel? Mm -hmm. And this is a song that I think is important for today. I think that's why the album resonated with people. This is one of the songs on the record, and it's it's about seeing people mm. and seeing that they're there and acknowledging mm. them. Not being best friends with them, but just acknowledging them. That's nice. It goes like this. Say hello, say goodbye. It's a simple thing to try. You might feel a little shy, but you can do it. Say hello, say goodbye. And you might be surprised. It's consequently kind. There's nothing to it. Hey, hey, what do you say? This could be the best day, a better than the rest day. Hey, hey, what do you know? One, two, three, just give it a go. Wave your hand, it's easy, say hello. Oh, I love you. That was beautiful. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.